Thank you. Thanks, Mike. Good morning, everybody. Really good to see you. Eight to ten years have passed by since last weekend. What are you talking about, I hear you say? Well, last weekend, how many of you were here last weekend? Raise your hand. Okay. Last weekend, we were looking at Barnabas and how he welcomed Saul into the church in Jerusalem. And as we continue this series, Others, now we're going to move into Acts chapter 11. And the chronology of that is that this happened around eight to ten years after that Jerusalem um, event. So let's dive in, and we're thinking about Barnabas being a catalyst. Acts chapter 11 and verse 19. Now those who've been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen travelled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. And then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. You know, over the course of this weekend, I've been looking around the, the auditoriums and I've noticed that uh, many folks kind of like to sit in the same general area where they, or just let me know whether you're one of those people. In fact, some of us actually sit in the same chair every week. It's the chair that Jesus gave us. <laughs> and we're, we're pretty happy when guests come along, but if they sit in my chair, I break their face, right? Now, I'm sure that's not true. But, you know, we Christians can get attached to the seating arrangements. When I, was a, when I was a young pastor, church planting, we started a church back in England with half a dozen people, and it, it started to grow. We used to have a midweek service on Tuesday nights, and we'd always have a cup of tea, hot tea, not iced tea, that's of the devil, but hot tea. <laughs> And, uh, and cookies, biscuits, whatever. We'd have that at the end of the service and we had the chairs in rows. So, I, you know, I'm, I thought, why don't we mix it up a bit? Why don't we have tea and cookies halfway through? And why don't we have the chairs in a big circle? So all the Christians show up and they, they looked at the chairs. They said, Pastor Jeff, chairs are in a circle. So that's very observant. Well done. A career in law enforcement might be ahead of you. I said, uh, they said, uh, we've never had the chairs in a circle before. I said, that's why I'm doing it. They said, is it biblical to have the chairs in a circle? I said, it's okay, God doesn't care. It's, it's really all right. But I realized in that little conversation that we had that we Christians, and I'm the same maybe, I am the same. We, we like things the way that they are, and we at times can be quite resistant to change. Without doubt, this episode is the, is the greatest moment of change in the history of the early church. Did you realize that for the first ten years 
after the resurrection and ascension of Jesus, for a whole decade, the church was Jewish, exclusively. There were no Gentile converts for a decade. And then suddenly, Peter encounters a Roman centurion called Cornelius in the book of Acts. He is the first Gentile convert. And and this is a big change. It's cataclysmic. We can't even begin to understand the magnitude of this moment. Uh, and, And there are concerns. Peter is summoned to the church in Jerusalem. Explain yourself. What's going on? And then, 18 months, maybe two years later, in a city called Antioch, 300 miles north of Jerusalem, suddenly there is an outbreak a missionary outbreak, and all of these Greeks, these non-Jews, are coming to know the Lord Jesus. Antioch, beautiful city. They called it Antioch the Golden. It was the third largest city in the Roman Empire. Half a million people lived there. The houses arranged in blocks so that you could get the afternoon breeze in the hot sun. University city, main street paved with Marble. I think we've got a, a, a picture of, of one of the streets going into uh, the city of Antioch. Very cosmopolitan, a lot of pagan worship there. Antioch was the New York City of the day. And now, the church is trying to somehow navigate through this cataclysmic event that is taking place. And so in order to try and figure out what's going on, they send this man that we are getting acquainted with through this other series, Barnabas. Go check it out and report back. And when he goes there, he becomes a real catalyst. What is a catalyst? A catalyst is somebody or a chemical or a piece of machinery that creates a reaction And as Barnabas goes to the church there in Antioch, that's exactly what he does. So let's take take a look at this together. First of all, in Antioch, we see Barnabas as a catalyst of faithfulness and faith. Faithfulness and faith. Look at verse 19. Now, those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. And then verse 21, the Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Verse 23, Barnabas arrives, sees the evidence of the grace of God and he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. I really want us to see this. The church in Antioch was birthed by persecution and pain. They had been scattered from Jerusalem. That's why they are in Antioch in the first place. The foundation of this church was pressure and pain. And not only that, that pressure and pain was continuing because verse 26 says they first called them Christians in Antioch. Now, we might look at that and think, isn't that precious? They called them Christians, isn't that nice? They got fishes on the backs of their chariots, isn't that cute? No, this was trouble. First of all, it was trouble because the Antiochenes, the inhabitants of Antioch, were well known, world famous for their sarcasm in their wit. They loved to mock people. There was a group of 
fanatical followers of the Emperor Nero living in the city, so in Antioch they were tagged as the Augustianoi. It was a mocking term. Now the Jesus people show up and they call them the Christianoi, the Christians. The Antiscenes were like that. There was, there was a foreign emperor who was famous for his pointy chin and his beard. And so in Antioch they minted coins specifically to mock that gentleman, and they exaggerated his features. This was a term of derision. This, this, wasn't, this wasn't precious at all. Not only that, up until this point, the Christians had sheltered beneath the protection of Judaism in the Roman Empire, which was a protected religion. But now they're the Christianoi. Now they're stepping outside of that protection, and they are now legally vulnerable. These people had struggled and were struggling, but look at what it says. It says the hand of the Lord was with them. Struggling, suffering, hand of the Lord. Dr. Luke loves that term, hand of the Lord. He uses it to describe John the Baptist. The hand of the Lord was with John the Baptist. The hand of the Lord was with the apostles. The hand of the Lord was against Elimaeus, the sorcerer. The hand of the Lord. You see, what Luke is saying is, you're suffering, but God is with you and God is blessing you. I'm not very good at suffering. I haven't suffered too much. The worst thing I think that ever happened to me, the sickest I've ever got, was about two or three years ago um, when I got really sick. I was in London out for dinner with some friends and halfway through the meal I got swine flu. It wasn't on the menu, but it, I got it. And I got really sick really quick and the swine flu turned into pneumonia which turned into double pneumonia and I was sick for like three weeks. I lost about 10 pounds and uh, my doctor thought there was a two-day period where he thought I wasn't going to make it. And it was really interesting to see what happened when I got sick. Some of my Christian friends were really helpful and very supportive. Others weren't quite so helpful. Some of them put on Facebook, You are not sick! Some of them put on Facebook, Satan, we rebuke you in Jesus' name! Now, in capital letters, with exclamation marks. Now, first of all, I didn't even know Satan was on Facebook. You know. But not only that, can you imagine the devil sitting around with the demons of hell going, Ooh, capital letters on Facebook now, dudes. Didn't see that one coming. How about you? And I discovered that the primary message of the book of Job is that when you're suffering, well-meaning people will show up and say stupid stuff. The same old things circulate the church when people get sick. Yes, you haven't got enough faith. That's why you're sick. Well, thanks a lot. I was just throwing up, but now I'm faithless too. Yes, there must be sin in your life. Thank you very much. Now I don't have faith and I've, I've got sin problems is, issues too. Thanks. Yes, I've discerned that your great, 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 great grandfather was into something extremely naughty and this is why you're sick. Great, I'll dig him up and slap the dude. They're suffering. Please see this. And the hand of the Lord is with them. Some of you lovely folks, 
You're waiting for the test results. Life's a struggle. It's difficult. It's disappointing. Don't let anyone rush up to you and slap you with a slogan. Suffering hand of the Lord together. And Barnabas was a catalyst who strengthened people in that. Secondly, he was a man, a catalyst of genuine goodness. He was a catalyst of genuine goodness. Verse 24 says he was a good man. Luke only uses that term to describe Barnabas and Joseph of Arimathea. Barnabas is the only man in the book of Acts who is described as being good, large-hearted. William Barclay, the commentator, calls him the man with the biggest heart in the church. You know what? I I think we need to dust goodness down. Because it's become overlaid with this veneer of being boring. As if there is something negative about being good. And we're living in a culture where so many people aspire to be famous. We've got celebrities who are famous for being famous. They have no known notable outstanding talent. But they're just famous. And what happens as a result of that is that Everyone wants to be an American Idol and they go on these reality TV shows where we can watch them sleep in their house. Or on daytime TV. Can I encourage you, do not watch most of what's on TV in the daytime. It will fry your brains, baby. These people go on TV and they throw their, they've taken the lie detector test. We've got the results of the DNA back. Now, for five minutes of notoriety, you're going to throw your family under the proverbial bus and you'll be famous. We need a few more people who aspire to be good. Good. God wants us to be do-gooders. It's good to be good and to do good. Yesterday, I went grocery shopping with Kay. This man has a gift of discernment right there. (laughs) She sent me into the produce section. I hate the produce section. Because we call vegetables different names from what you call vegetables. You call it a zucchini. We call it a courgette. Everyone say, courgette. Healing in the house. produce section. I hate those plastic bags. (laughs) And then I get to that place of great evil, the self-checkout. Okay, surely someone else in the universe has tried to scan a naked eggplant. (laughs) And the grocery clerk who's standing there benevolently watching that you don't steal stuff. He's only nine, but he comes over. (laughs) 
And then in the self-checkout, this wilderness in this dark black hole in the universe, there's a lady behind me, there's a gentleman behind her, and she turns to him and she says, you've only got two items, go ahead of me. And the sun comes out. And the plastic bag self-inflates. Goodness. For goodness sake. I wonder how the Lord might lead us in that. Not famous, but goodness. Singer Marvin Gaye said he wished being famous had some useful function such as preventing constipation. It's a thought for you to take with you this week to ponder. George Eliot in Middlemarch said, for the growing good of the world is partly dependent on unhistoric acts and that things are not so ill with you and me as they might have been is half owing to the number who have lived faithfully a hidden life and rest in unvisited tombs. Goodness. Not many people at a funeral or writing an obituary say, he had a great head of hair. She had white teeth. He had an excellent car. What they tend to say is, she was a good woman. Thirdly, Barnabas was a catalyst for Holy Spirit empowerment. A catalyst for Holy Spirit empowerment. Verse 24, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. Now, let me tell you that in the Greek text, this is kind of, this is important. We can think that goodness and Holy Spirit empowerment are separate issues. That's wrong. The Greek text reads like this, that Barnabas was good, And the reason he was good was because of the Holy Spirit's activity in his life. Christianity is not just about securing eternal destination. It's about Holy Spirit daily transformation. And yes, the Holy Spirit does empower us. And that empowerment might be in in, in a kind of distinctive, powerful way. Or it can be in the quiet development of character. Christianity is supernatural. It's not just a morality code or an idea. It's not just about us doing better. It's about us being filled with the Holy Spirit. But there is a really clear supernatural dynamic as well. I am standing up here today because of the gifts of the Holy Spirit operating in my life when I was just 17 years old. I became a Christian at the age of 17. I was in high school and I was about to go and work in Barclays Bank in the city of London. And I would have made a terrible, terrible, I was rubbish at it. I can't count, which is not good for banking. And I was, within three weeks of becoming a Christian, I was starting to feel a nudge, a calling to, to become a pastor, to do this. But I'd only been a Christian for 20 days or so. And there was this, Well, there was this girl I was dating at the time. Her name was Kay. And she said to me, she said, we've got a a youth group retreat coming up. Would you like to come to that? And I said, I sense in my heart that I should be there. And this was not for any spiritual reason, but because she was and is seriously cute. (laughs) 
So with these mixed motives, I go along to the youth weekend. And we have a guest speaker, and he's from outside of our church, and he doesn't know, he doesn't know any of us. He's never met, he's, just, he's a guy from outside. And here's what happens, I'm sitting back there, and on the, fr- the first evening, the Friday night, he says, great, great to be here. He said, on the way here to this retreat, God spoke to me and told me the names, first and last names of three of you, that he has called into full-time pastoral ministry. We'll be chatting over the weekend. Freak me out. This is called a word of knowledge, which is not a board game like Monopoly. It is a gift of the Holy Spirit, where someone receives information from God that they could not otherwise receive. So I'm thinking, this is weird. So on the Saturday evening, we're worshipping, and he's about to preach, And I had this kind of physical sense of God's Spirit upon me. It's any way I can describe it. And this man, this preacher, stands up and he described exactly what was happening to me. Freaked me out. I'm thinking, I don't like this guy. He knows everything. He is scary spice. This is unhelpful. (laughs) So at the end of the service, I walked up to him. I did not introduce myself. I had long hair down to here. Oh, for those days. I had beads around my neck. And I walked up to him and I just said, I asked him a question. Didn't didn't say, my name is Jeff, didn't introduce, I just said, sir, can I just ask you a question? And he answered my question and I said, thank you very much. And I turned to walk away and that's when it happened. Because he tapped me on the shoulder and he said, young man, your name is Jeff Lucas, isn't it? And at that moment, I was not entirely sure And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, son, God's called you to preach, hasn't he? I said, yeah. He said, well, get on with it then. Walked off. Amazing prophet, terrible pastor. Now, why did God do that for me? Some of you are sitting there right now saying, Whoa! I wish I could have something like that happen to me. For that to happen to you, you've got to be as stupid as me. Because I've I've got this theory that God said to the angel Derek, a junior angel, Listen, people, we've got a real thicko here. This is someone who will scan naked vegetables in the grocery store. So we need to do something really epic so that he'll never forget. So when I feel like doing something else, I remember, your name is Jeff Lucas, isn't it? Hey everybody, whatever your experience or lack of experience, there is a God. It's true. Jesus is alive and he is active and working among his people by his spirit. This is not just a pleasant Sunday morning thing to do because there's nothing much on daytime TV. Maybe we've been put off of some of the Holy Spirit's activity because we've seen the wild and crazy stuff. You know, the, the preacher in the name of Jesus right now. Boom. 
said, I don't want any of that. I'm not talking. I'm just talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit every day. And sometimes we get tied up with how that works mechanically. Why don't we just say, Lord, just keep filling me. Fill me up. Because the Bible says, be being filled with the Spirit. Barnabas was a catalyst for Holy Spirit empowerment. Number four, he was a catalyst for mission that brought people to Jesus. He was a catalyst for mission that brought people to Jesus. Look at verse 20. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. Verse 24. A great number of people, Barnabas has arrived, a great number of people were brought to the Lord. This suffering, spirit-anointed church was growing because people were gossiping the gospel. They were talking about Jesus. I've got to get that back more centrally in my life. See, when I became a Christian, I was the Christian guy that you didn't want to sit next to on the airplane. I would assault you with my breathless monologue. Hi, Jeff. How are you doing? I'm fine, thank you very much, because I've got the Lord Jesus in my heart and life, and he has saved and rescued me because he has shed his blood on the cross, and you too can know eternal life in him if you'd like to pray this prayer right now. You know what I've done? Because we're all pendulums. We all think we're balanced. We're not. We're all in reaction. Think that one through. I've reacted against that. I need to get my voice back a little more. It's not about mugging everybody you see with the Jesus news. Surely it's about being available to his spirit. Saying, God, are there people that you want me to serve today? Are there questions that you want to provoke but it's getting our voice because these people were proclaiming the gospel and they were whispering the gospel in conversation too. Finally, number five. Barnabas was a catalyst for grace that was truly outrageous. Grace that was truly outrageous. I'm going to read you something which is one of the most stunning statements in the Bible. Verse 19. Now those who've been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen... Verse 25, then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. You say, what's remarkable about that? Okay, let me ask you a question. It's a rhetorical question. This church was birthed because of the persecution in connection with Stephen's death, the first martyr. Who was the primary agent of that persecution? That would be Saul. Who does Barnabas now bring in as the co-pastor of that congregation? That would be Saul. Can you imagine? You cannot be serious. That's the guy. My father died in Jerusalem because of that man. I lost my home, my business in Jerusalem because of that man. The persecutor becomes a pastor. It's outrageous grace. It's scandalous. And the amazing thing is Dr. Luke doesn't even highlight it. He doesn't even say, now look at this. 
Unless you study it, you might not even notice it. It's just outrageous grace. And that can be difficult, can't it? I want to tell you something just between us that I don't want to go on the internet for reasons that you are going to dis- you'll see as obvious. So we are going to turn the recording off right now. For those of you listening on the internet, you're probably wondering what it is that you've missed in this last three or four minutes. Well, actually, here at Timberline Church, we've just raised 14 people from the dead. Yes, yes, yes. But no, we didn't want to be flashy about it. But we hope you'll come and join us next week. Barnabas, good man. Let's be like him. Most of all, let's be like Jesus. By his spirit. Through his grace. Brennan Manning, who died recently, he said these words. He said, a handful of us could be ignored by society. But hundreds, thousands, millions of servants would overwhelm the world. Christians filled with the authenticity, commitment, and generosity of Jesus would be the most spectacular sign in the history of the human race. The call of Jesus is revolutionary. If we implemented it, we would change the world in a few months. Let's pray. Lord, here we are, under construction, broken people, gradually becoming who you want us to be. Sometimes the process feels so slow. We want to be people of faithfulness and faith. We pray very specifically for those who are suffering today. As our heads are bowed, if that simply describes you, suffering, We don't have to define it more tightly than that. Right now is a time of suffering for you. I would love to include you in a a prayer here. Just slip your hand up for a moment if that's describing where you're at. Thank you for doing that. I pray, Lord, that my friends here will have a real sense of your hand being upon them. Save them from the bruising that can come from slogans. We want to be people, Lord, who aspire not to fame, but to goodness. He was a good man. Give us opportunities for goodness that makes you look wonderful this week, Lord. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, both changing us and empowering us. Surprise us as we realize that we follow not a theory, but we walk in the newness of life. Help us to be ready to have conversations that point people to you. And help us, Lord, whether we're irritated or devastated, to demonstrate, to go on the pathway towards showing grace that is truly outrageous. So we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name.
Everyone said, Amen. Can we, uh, can we do that? Can we lift our eyes up? Just look up for a moment. What do you see? You don't, you see a cross maybe, you see a ceiling, you see lights and speakers and stuff. As we do that, we are expressing the truth that we're looking outside of ourselves. Hey, listen. Not that God is just out there slightly to the left of Jupiter. When we say our Father who is in heaven, a better translation would be our Father who is in the heavens. That includes the air immediately around your body. He is with us. So we go, Lord, with our eyes lifted up towards your help and your strength. Fill us each day this new week with your Holy Spirit. Surprise us and glorify Jesus through us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, before you go, say hi to 437 people. It's grown. God bless you. Have a great weekend. Prayer team are here. We'd love to pray with you.